Hello, welcome to 1,000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. So I want to know how many of you out there are what I call verbal processors, because I talk to myself a lot when I'm when I'm alone. Uh, I want to destigmatize talking out loud to yourself because I find it really helpful. Talking through ideas out loud really helps me process and imagine my way through meaning. Um, it's like you get to try out the words and the ideas, kind of see what they taste like, feel like. You can play around with the words um, until they find a kind of shape that makes sense. Uh, it's also a practice that helps helps me imaginatively explore connections and ideas. It really, it really does help me. So last week, I was doing this verbal processing thing one morning because I was trying to work through something that a friend of mine had mentioned during a phone call. Uh, he brought up the way that we say things like, in Jesus's name, at the end of a prayer. And he said that phrase is not it's not magic words. When we say in Jesus' name, we're saying something like, according to the story that you've told us. And I, I knew what he meant because growing up, I really, I really did think that those words were magic words. Like if you didn't say them, God couldn't hear you. Or if you did say them, then God had to answer in the way that you wanted. Um, it was actually a long time before I realized that that's how old pagan worship worked. You did the rain dance. You said the magic words. And then these things gave you power over these unstable but powerful pagan idols. So for a pagan, magic words and procedures, these are the only way you're going to ever get the gods who don't really care about you to do their job and give you the stuff you want or the things that you need. Um, so anyway, I'm really fascinated by this idea. And uh, I was just rolling these ideas around on my tongue, and I ended up writing out this imagined conversation as I was processing. Uh, it was sort of catalyzed by what my friend had said on the phone. So I thought uh, it might be kind of fun to try that out on the podcast, like as if you had been a fly on the wall that day that I was thinking about this stuff. Um, real quick, though, if you haven't signed up for Cofferstow Art and Faith Retreat, head over to cofferstow.com to learn more about that and to lock in your registration. That's going to be a great weekend, and I'd really love for you to be there. So um, go register, uh, and that's all. Here is this week's episode, Quieting Magic Words, listening for the tune. It's not magic words, he said. It's not a phrase that you say at the end of your prayer that somehow gives the prayer power or makes God do something. Right, I said. That's why you've got the first commandment, no other gods, and then a whole separate second commandment against idolatry. Yes, I see idolatry is about procedures, special words or actions that we use to try to manipulate God. At Sinai, for instance, God is saying he's the only real God. Manipulation doesn't work on him. And that you don't need to manipulate him because 
He's already committed to doing what's good for you. But that was totally new for a bunch of people raised under paganism, because paganism is all about having to do the rain dance just right so that you can obligate the gods to do stuff for you. Besides being a lie, it's exhausting. God is opening up a way out of that misery. They can't manipulate him. And he's good, so they don't need to. Okay, so when we say in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer, it's not magic words, I said. That's right. It doesn't give us power over God. It's just a way of saying, here's my prayer. Answer it according to your story. What do you mean, according to your story? Well, think of the way that you edit a story that you might be writing. You decide what to keep or leave out, depending on its relevance to what you're trying to say through the narrative, right? Do you remember learning about topic sentences in junior high English? The topic sentence sets up your editing principle. You decide what to keep in your story or essay by the degree to which it can connect back and support your topic sentence. I do remember that, even though I fell asleep a lot in English class. In fact, one time I woke up and the whole classroom was empty. The lights were off. Everyone, including the teacher, had left for lunch without waking me. And look how well you turned out. I know, right? So, in Jesus' name, it's kind of like asking God to provide your topic sentence. And the topic sentence is the story revealed by God in the scriptures, and especially in Jesus. Interesting. So, in a way, Jesus himself does this when he's tempted in the desert or at Gethsemane. Some desire or opportunity or alternate choice comes along, and he holds it up to the story that God is telling to see whether it fits. The temptations don't fit, so they get edited out or rejected. And in Gethsemane, he kind of says... If there's some way to keep from drinking this cup that's still in keeping with the story you're telling, then let me know. But I don't want to tell any other story than the one you're telling, Father. Yeah, that's the idea. If something I'm praying doesn't line up with what you're about, Lord, answer my prayer accordingly. Or another way of thinking about it might be that when I say, in Jesus' name, I'm saying, if this is something Jesus is praying for too, then that's what I want to be about. Because when we're praying, we're entering into a conversation that God is already having within the Trinity, I said. Yes. When we pray, we're participating in whatever God is already doing. We're being invited into the life of the Trinity. That's why prayer changes us. Because through prayer, we are shaped for participation, and we learn ways that we can be part of telling the story, he said. That reminds me of this time when I had two flat tires in the middle of Kansas. I posted a video online and asked people to pray, and within a few hours, some friends sent enough money to cover the tow truck, two new tires, and all the repairs. It was incredible. Yes. What happened was that those friends joined God's conversation about your situation. 
and they were given an opportunity to go do with God what he wanted to do for you. And a little more of the story got told. When we pray, we're asking God to make a place for us in whatever he's doing. Right. And if we're praying for something he's not doing, or we aren't sure, then we practice submitting to the story he's telling by saying in Jesus' name. Yeah, I think that's a way of putting it. Another way of putting it could be in musical terms. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, what Lewis says at the beginning of Mere Christianity, that all of our desires are like keys on a piano. The keys or notes aren't right or wrong in themselves. It's all about context. Any key, any human desire could be right or wrong, depending on the song the composer is trying to play. The way you know what notes to play is by learning the tune. So what you're saying is that God is singing a particular tune. That means there's such a thing as harmony and disharmony, being offbeat or onbeat, in or out of tune, etc. Yes, but remember, to be a person is to be relational. So how does music work? Uh, well, it's a richly complex interplay of all kinds of things, but it definitely has a communal reality at the root. That's right. Think of a symphony, or even a garage band. Several people playing different instruments, all trying to make their parts combine into one whole thing that's beautiful. What makes a good concert possible? What makes a band or a symphony good? Well, the members have to listen really closely to all the other members. they got to get on the same page. They can't be playing different songs, different tunes. Like if the violin section decided to just play some other song, it would wreck the whole thing. But if everyone follows the conductor, follows the same tune, if everyone is put in the hours to get some expertise on their instrument, they can make incredible music together. The violins can't say to the trumpets, we don't need you. And the cellos can't say to the oboes, ah, we don't need you. There's a place for all kinds of totally different instruments to all play parts of the same song together and make one rich, complex, and beautiful thing come to life in the world. But none of that can happen without listening to each other, but especially without listening closely to learn the song itself. Yeah, and there's a lot of competing noise, competing songs. That's right. Some of it's just bad acoustics, just noise. Some of it's instruments that have been damaged. Some of it's composers who are usurping the podium and sowing discord. Discord is deception. But what's exciting is that the, the better we know the song, the more deeply we've absorbed the tune and the more we've tuned and cared for our instruments, the better we get at playing along. And I mean playing, as in playfulness, too. I mean, we can improvise on a theme. Think about how music works. When it's at its best, music is like a realm or a world we can inhabit and explore. 
That's what improvisation is. It's playing on a vast playground. Once you're in the boundaries of the song, you can explore, you can play. The band leader can point to you and say, give me eight bars, and you can let loose. So learning the tune, even if it takes a lot of hard work and discipline, is ultimately about the joy of playful participation. That's right. It's kind of about jamming in the band. And the band members know how to practice hospitality. They take turns. They trade licks. It gives them joy to see the music coming to life, to support the song, to play a part. All right, then. So praying in Jesus' name is like saying, help me learn to play in the band or the symphony. I want to be a part of the music you're making, Lord. Yeah, we're always listening for the tune, the rhythm, the words, the narrative, the context. Think of the writer of Psalm 119. This guy is desperate to get this tune or this storyline to sink right down into his marrow. The word he uses is law, which sounds you know stuffy to us, but he's talking about the ways of God that he wants to move inside of. He wants to hide God's law inside of his heart. He wants to know this story, this tune backwards and forwards. He doesn't want to sin to play out of tune, and he doesn't want to follow some fake storyline. This song is the grain of reality. It's the only story that will endure death, the only song that will last through the fire. Only God's story will endure forever. And so back to the question we started with, that story is kind of summarized in this phrase, in the name of Jesus. It is. Jesus' name is how we test competing tunes and stories. Is this what Jesus is singing? Is this what Jesus is telling? It's a gift. It's a way to keep from wasting our lives. It reminds us who we belong to what tune we're listening for, what's the story we're in. Jesus is is the heartbeat of reality. I want to keep my ear pressed against that chest until his music becomes mine. To close this week, I thought I'd share a little poem by Harvey Shapiro called The Heart. Kind of along the lines of not having to worry about magic words, this poem talks about the things that we say or imagine about a person and how those words crumble to the ground when the real person walks into the room. Here's the poem. In the midst of words, your wordless image marches through the precincts of my night. And all the structures of my language lie undone. The bright cathedrals clatter. And the moontop spires break their stalks. Sprawled before that raid, I watch the towns go under. And in the waiting dark, I loose, like marble spinning from a child, the crazed and hooded creatures of the heart. That's an interesting poem to me. It gives me the feeling 
that um, when God walks into the room, my constructions about him will be revealed as ghostly compared to his solidness. Kind of like um, if, you've ever, if you've ever read uh, Lewis's Great Divorce, um, that, that's sort of what's going on in there too. So I think that's an interesting point. Well, that's all for this week. I do really appreciate you listening. I appreciate you uh, leaving reviews and subscribing on iTunes. That's really helpful. And I hope to see you at Cofferstow in June. Go register for that. And um, that's all for this week. I will see you next week. Thanks so much.